0: Hey, this is Kat, the lead boss with the Revenue Accelerator podcast. And I have my guest today, Bree Gunn. Now watch out. Uh, she definitely writes, let's say in quote, killer copy, but she won't actually kill you. <laughs> so <laughs> Bree, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and why people actually and should care?
1: Sure. So I'm Bree. It's nice to meet everyone out there in your listenership. I am a conversion copywriter and ghostwriter, and I have been writing copy for 11 years. My goal is to make the people that read your words, the words that are created by your copywriter or yourself go, yes, I need that. So that the sales process is so much easier. Yes. Awesome. Love it. Uh, You know,
0: there's a lot of people out there who they think they can write copy (laughs) Yes, they are. Right. So bless their heart. Right. It's a very Southern, you know, bless their heart. Kind of situation. I bless lots of hearts. Right. So. Um, so, you know, you get to a point in your business where you realize that, you know, you've kind of gotten some handle of copy if you're not already kind of adept at being a copywriter like yourself. Right. So not everybody has that brilliance, but they might have good enoughness, if you will. Um, how do you? What are your recommendations? So we're gonna we're gonna go this in two ways. One, it's people who are kind of getting ready to hire you, right? So what are your recommendations for them in terms of creating more compelling copy? And then the other question I have is, you know, how do you capture your voice when you're
1: kind of supporting your client? So the first thing that that you want to do when you're writing your copy is to consider your audience. And I know this is like. If you've ever listened to a copywriter talk, that's one of the first tips that they're going to give you if they're worth their weight, right? You want to take into consideration who you're talking to, because the way you talk to your audience differs from place to place. So if you're on Instagram, you're going to use a little bit different language than you would on LinkedIn or an email or on Facebook. So you need to take into account location as well as the humans that you're actually connecting with in order to make your copy compelling you need to remember who you're writing for and remember that the the copy you're writing is not for you. Nobody cares. It's for them. All those stories you have, all of those interest pieces are literally there to help you bridge a gap Mm. between where you are and where they are so that you can find common ground. So it's not, you know, the content that you are producing is not so that you can crow about your own accomplishments. It's to pull in the reader and make them go, oh my gosh, yes, I need that. I understand. They hear me, they get me. Mm. And that's where most people make the mistake is we write and we, and I've done this too. You know, I know better, but we get excited about our accomplishment and we write about it and we talk about it and we become very me centric when we need to be very you centric.
0: Yes. I've seen so many posts about, I just closed this, or I just had oh, to make me want to throw up and you know, it's just yucky. Yeah. And we I feel like help. it's overcompensating, right. Of, um, yeah. So nice my, right. <laughs> like my belief system is the best way to demonstrate your capability is by communicating your client's results, because it's clear that if your clients are achieving a certain level, It's also because they're having some kind of support from you. Now, you may not be the only person in their life that's supporting them, but you've played a role in them being able to achieve something. So when you're celebrating your clients, right, then you're reemphasizing your authority and positioning and demonstrating and, and doing a really good thing in terms of energy of actually celebrating them and their success and other people being able to see themselves what are some of the other mistakes that you're seeing people make? And I, I asked a second question. We'll get back to that later. That people are making when it comes to putting content out there that they think is impactful, but
1: is actually doing more harm than good. Those like those posts drive me crazy. The ones that are like, like I just had a hundred thousand dollar month. I just had a thirty thousand dollar month. I just had closed a ten thousand dollar sale. Yeah, you're not celebrating any clients. So are you taking people's money? <laughs> this is and like I get it. I sign a non-disclosure with every single client because I'm a ghostwriter. A lot of my clients do not want someone to know that they didn't write their copy. Hmm. So me saying, you know, Hey, I wrote Pat's copy, which I didn't (laughs) y'all. Um, and you know, bragging about her, I need your permission to do that. So Hmm. a lot of times it's getting permission from clients. It's, it's actively asking for references, referrals, testimonials. It's, not being forceful in that way. Like there are a lot of coaches and consultants out there that are doing lives with clients and in the hopes that the client will give them a testimonial on the live. Mm. Or, and that just feels, that feels nearly as gross. You saw my facial reaction. It's yeah. <laughs> like, that does not like, feel good. That looks like she's about, about she like, she saw the, the man who runs in the Speedo down the side of the freeway. Yeah. <laughs> um, that face. We all know that face, at least if you lived in my hometown, you did, because he was there every single day, rain or shine. Um, (laughs) Where do you live again? I am actually in Michigan. I grew up in Washington state. Why are people in speedos in Michigan? (laughs) In Washington state? I don't know. But every, like, I swear every day he was like his jogger, his little jogger shoes, his speedo. And he was just like booking it down the side of the highway. Mm. Come to find out, he'd like, apparently, he'd had a heart attack or something, and his doctor told him he had to exercise every day in order yeah, but to be not, <laughs> like, not in a speedo. At least not in a speedo, because, you know, the like, we're not Michael Phelps. Just, yeah, no. <laughs> um, but, you know, when you're putting that content out there, it's being the, the, the impactful piece is the piece that resonates. Mm. And if you don't have that resonance in there, if you don't have that, me too, oh my gosh, yes, I feel that, I hear that, I say that, then you need to go back to the drawing board. You need to do some more market research. You need to talk to some actual human beings because let mm-hmm. me tell you, your avatar is broke because they're fake. They've got no money. You
0: I know? love what you were just sharing. So this is me writing notes on the side here. of um, yeah. One of the things that you talked about, which is so important, which is, um, and, and this, this is, you know, what I love about what you do is because it has a lot to do with Legion in terms of how, like, I look at things too. And so you're like saying stuff. I'm like, yes. So getting into your client's head, like understanding that conversation, because I talk about there's, you know, and it's just, it's not just me, but there's a conversation. Someone says, Hey, how are you doing on the street? You're going to say, fine. You're not going to say my world is coming crashing down. <laughs> Help me stranger that I've never talked to. You might not even say that to a friend but it's a conversation you're having in your head. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when you're tapping into that conversation and using that as copy, so how do people do that though? How do people get that voice or that knowledge about that specific pain point
1: that no one really wants to talk about? Network, network, the ever living crap out of your network. (laughs) Go on LinkedIn, connect with people. Like I connected with cat because I was networking, right? Go out there and talk to people and when you talk to people, treat them like a freaking human being, please. If we could just humanize 90% of the marketing out there, it, it would fix 90% of the problems. And when you're when you're doing your market research, it's not enough to just ask the question and accept the answer. You need to go in and dive deeper. Oh wow thank you for sharing that. Can you tell me more about that? Mm. That sounds like that was really frustrating. I'd love to hear more about how you handled that.
0: So being a friend,
1: treating them like humans. If if you wouldn't sit across the table from someone at a Starbucks or your local coffee shop and have Mm -hmm. that conversation, you probably Mm -hmm. shouldn't be having it online.
0: Yeah. It's amazing how many people lose human considerations, just it like exactly it's etiquette, basically you,
1: you people like robots,
0: right? Like it, but, so I talk about it's, you know, valuing the relationship over the transaction. So a lot of people out there are being taught and have learned and implement and use this mechanism. And I, sh- there should be a cartoon of like, just people on their, on their computer with a credit card. Like they look like a credit card and you're just looking to swipe them. Mm-hmm. Right. Instead of actually saying, you know, what, who's this person behind the screen? Like, what is there, because there is something to be done and it may not necessarily be one person buying from the other. So when you're obviously, when you're doing, you know, conversion copy, you are wanting to attract ideal clients, right? You're right, wanting you to attract, want to
1: repel the wrong people. That's right. that's the biggest thing people don't yeah. understand is that copy, good copy, yeah. really good copy attracts the right people and shoves everybody else out of the way. Picture it like, like if you've ever watched a roller derby match or you've watched the movie Whip it. Picture the copy as, um, as the pivot, the girl who's giving everybody directions and like shoving people out of her way, your copy should knock down the people who don't belong there. And they go, Nope, that's not for me. Mm. And the people who you want to talk to are like all in, like just zeroed in on you laser focused. They're running around in circles, chasing you because you're using the language and the words they want to hear. They need to hear the, the stuff that they've said to themselves in their head. A lot of people have, I, I think there's a, there's a misconception out there that, you know, you do your market research and then you run and build your business and then you don't go back to the market research. And the mm. challenge is the market's consistently changing. So if you don't network and, and talk to people consistently, you're going to get left behind.
0: Well, and so is your ideal client. Like you are not working with the same person that you were targeting 10 years ago. And it's kind of like that person in high school that you wanted to date. Like, thank God. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So what are the pieces that need to be in place for copy to work? Right. Because you can have the words and you can, let's say, have even the right words. But there, I feel like there should be other things that are probably there to support it, right? It's kind of like the, you know, it's having a stool with no legs. So what are the legs that go under the stool that support effective and impactful copy that converts? So
1: second person language Hmm. is one of the, of the, the, the legs to your stool. That means you want to be telling your story, but you want to tell it in a voice that talks to the person you're talking to. So words like you, our, we, us, Even third person, they, them is better than I did this. I had this because nobody cares. Their eyes are glazing over. Hmm. Secondly, use imagery to help bolster your copy and your content and make you stand out. That means using gifts, using, you know, the, the snap you took at the beach. That means using emojis, but use them smartly. Don't just emoji vomit all over your content. Use them instead of bullet points, use them to use them in a a headline, use them to identify key phrases or a key word so that people's eyes are drawn because guys, our attention spans have gotten smaller and smaller. It used to be that you had seven seconds to get someone's attention. Now you have three seconds. Mm. So you have to grab attention fast. Another pillar is to use the person's name. If you're writing email, use the name feature use that drop in feature to add the person's name to the content and the copy where it makes sense mm. one of the best ways to figure that out is to read it out loud my husband for the longest time i think he thought i was losing my mind cuz we we share office space now that we're all working from home and i'm sitting in my office reading my emails out loud to myself <laughs> and he came in thinking i was on a call with someone no no i was just reading my emails out loud but you catch things like, you know, you would say, oh, hey, cat, this blah, blah, blah happened. And have you ever experienced this? And it's, it can feel robotic if it's not done right. So read what you're, re- what you're sending out loud. Would you say this to someone at a coffee shop?
0: Yeah. So using conversational tonality, right? So not just this. We're opening the, you know, oh god, I don't even remember the the thing, but you know, the Oxford Dictionary commas and stuff like that. Like we're looking at where where do you put the emphasis (laughs) where it needs to be in the whole sentence. Um, You
1: know, it's it's not okay to eat eat grandma, but it's okay to eat with grandma, right? You know, making sure you're 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 conversationally correct and also that you're grammatically correct, right? Right. And then, you know, another, another really key point is that market research piece, go back and look at the words that your people are using to describe their situation and Mm -hmm. make sure that you drop them heavily into your copy. Now you don't want every sentence to start with the same word. You don't want every sentence to have the same phrase, but if you can literally use the verbatim language that your people are using, that you've gleaned from your market research in your content, it's going to convert so much easier and so much faster. It may not make you millions of dollars, but it's going to make you thousands, tens of thousands. And the thing is, I would so much rather, and maybe this makes me different, but I would so much rather build a a small tribe of really, really dedicated people who are willing to buy whatever it is I'm selling than a gigantic tribe of people who don't see me at all. And so So when you're writing your copy, you have to think about that.
0: Yeah. Well, and so that was going to actually lead into my next question, which is, you know, I know that not everything is formulaic, but there tends to be a process or, you know, maybe we call it a formula process, whatever it is. So what is, what is a mechanism or a formula or process that helps you or your clients create copy that converts? Like, is it, you know, opt-in, nurture sequence, sales sequence, nurture, you know what I mean? Like there's, there's different things. And then if you break it down into the email, you know, is it a standard, you know, start with a grabbing head, you know, attention grabbing headline, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. There's like, a
1: formula for everything, right? Like, you know that. And there are different formulas for different types of businesses for different types of audiences. So I think, the first piece is not being married to any one specific formula, because mm. what works for Cat may not work for my audience. What works for me may not work for you. So, not being married to having it have to look just like the
0: the one trick pr- pony kind of
1: yeah, one trick pony or the program you bought or that person that you've been following forever. Being willing to test and try new opt ins is a really great way to see what your audience responds to. So, I always encourage people if you haven't tried a webinar, try a webinar. Mm. If you haven't done a checklist or a challenge, try a checklist or a challenge. If you have three to five different entrance points to your email system, Mm. because everyone learns differently, everyone processes differently. So, you need to have auditory, you need to have visual. You need to have tactile. If you can, you know, print this out, use this journal, use this checklist, give people as many different types of content as you can so that they enter your world in a way that is comfortable for them. And then you can funnel them for lack of a better word into a nurture sequence. that's educational because the biggest mistake I see out there is everyone's like, oh, a funnel should sell, get my free thing. Now buy my stuff.
0: Mm. That's
1: That's the equivalent to being like, hi, I just met you. Let's get married. Right. That's really weird and awkward. And you probably need to go away now. But if you educate people about why, like you showed up here because you followed me because of this, you're here because you believe this you're here because we share the same values. Then once you've nurtured, then you can go into your sales sequence. Then you can sell your programs and your products. You have to balance the nurture piece with the sales piece. Otherwise you're building nothing. And the same goes for social media. Yeah. This is not just about email folks. This is about the way you present yourself to the world. The way you talk in email is going to be different than the way you talk on social media, but the same rule should apply. You need to have a good balance. I would say it needs to be 80, 20 educational content to sales mm-hmm. content. You getting whiplash
0: with all my agreement. <laughs>
1: Like you can't sell all the time and expect people to buy all the time. Should you be making offers every day? Absolutely. But that doesn't mean you're making an offer every day on Instagram. That means you're making an offer on Facebook today, on Instagram tomorrow, on LinkedIn the next day. And you're educating in between the offers, in between the asks.
0: So a lot of my audience is high ticket focused, right? And so I know that there's, you know, there's a difference between, you know, so there's people who do try and burn, right? Fine, whatever. You just go ahead and, and whatever. Uh, there's a lot of people who do high quantity, low dollar, right? So, you know, we know that there tends to be a direct correlation with the lower amount of money you charge, the higher number of people you need to have go through the quote unquote funnel in order to be able to, you know, create those opt-ins. And we know that there's statistics in terms of you want your opt-in page converting at this so that then the people, this percentage of people buy and blah, blah, blah. And we know those don't always work, but it's what we work from. How does your advice change when it goes from, you know, someone who's promoting a low dollar, which isn't a wrong strategy.
1: My audience tends to be high offers, ticket. Most of my stuff is high ticket. So right. the low dollar offer is a great way to get people to get their feet wet. If you picture your, if you picture your business, the offers that you're offering people like a lake. Your low ticket offers are right off the beach. They're that sandy spot where you can kind of dip your toes in and test before you get into the deeper water. You need to mass the challenge with the low end offers. If you need to massively over deliver on the back end so that people go, oh, if I spent $97, if I spent $27 and I got all of this, what happens when I spend two, three, four, five, six thousand $6,000 so that you set up an expectation of high delivery Mm-hmm. Now, if you are straight high ticket, you don't need as many people to come through your funnel. Um, and that's how I prefer to run my business. That's how quality over quantity yeah. is they are looking for the quality contacts over the quantity of contacts. Now that means you're going to need to go through a large quantity of people to find those few quality people, but you never know where your next referral is going to come from. You never know where your next business partner might come from. You never know where your next speaking gig or podcast guest spot. Mm -hmm. So if you're high ticket and you're not Amy Porterfield and you're not Marie Forleo and you are less well, less well-known or not as known, um, Don't be scared to do more education. I find the higher ticket you're offered, the more education needs to happen about the transformation process. Mm. The more people need to see testimonials, the more people need to see that social proof. Social proof is huge. You should totally leverage that. The more people, the less people care about the dollar signs and the more people actually care about how you change the lives of the people that you work with. Yes.
0: Well, and I've seen a lot of people, some of the most well-known people that we know in the industry, you know, inside of this industry and out actually give away some of their best, most secret content for free. Mm -hmm. Um, And what people are doing is, is I think one of the, the strategies, and you can tell me if you agree or disagree, that helps with content conversion is the consistency aspect of things.
1: Yes. Oh my God. Yes. Consistency is key. You can have the best content in the world. I could, I could write your copy for you. It could be the the best copy ever written. If you put it out there and then never say another word, nothing's going to happen. It is consistency. It is showing up daily. If you don't have the, I'm an introvert. Okay. I don't have the energy to go live daily. I just don't. So instead of going live, I make a reel Mm. because that's all I have the energy for. Mm -hmm. And I go live once, once a week you know, figure out what your ability to show up is where you land and don't overcommit yourself because that we all try to do that. Oh, well I'll, I'll go live. I promise I'll go live every single day this week, every single day this month and like three weeks and we burn out and then we stop showing up
0: or their content becomes shit because right. you don't know what to talk about anymore.
1: <laughs> yes. One, Now I'll, I'll address that in a second. Cause that's a really fun conundrum that you can fix really easily. Um, but When you choose how you're showing up, when you're posting, where you're posting, I don't care if you post once a week or once a day, but be consistent. Be consistent and don't regurgitate the same post over and over and over again. It's, It's okay to recycle posts. You totally can do that. It's okay to recycle emails, but you need to have enough of a gap between them so that it doesn't feel like it's the same. Yeah. As far as, you know, repeating the same thing over and over again, human beings need to hear something at least 11 times before they can make a decision. So repeat away. Damn. Yeah. Talk about the same stuff over and over and over in different ways, because you never know, like you have kids, I have kids. Some of the, some of the listeners might have kids. If you don't, you've probably babysat. Me. I've only
0: ever had to tell my daughter to chew with her mouth shut once. And she knows yeah, to me. You
1: tell, you tell your child something <laughs> once and then you have to say it again. And then you say it a third time. And then you put on the Batman voice and you say it a fourth time. And then your head spins in circles and you say it a fifth time. And then the neighbors hear you screaming it the sixth, seventh and eighth time. And then the child does the thing. Or then someone else tells them not to do it. And it's like, oh, <laughs> <Right>. so, <laughs> why didn't anybody tell me sooner? And that's a, that, and that's a great point is you don't want to be the person who says it once. And then your quote competition, because I really don't believe in competition, but yeah. your the yeah. other person in your industry says it six or seven times. And because they said it six or seven times, that's the light bulb moment. Yeah. So you want to be the person repeating it over and over again to give people that light bulb moment.
0: Well, and it's, the, it's repeating based off of your specialization and your expertise, right? The last thing that anybody ever wants to do is prepare your clients to buy from someone else. I see it happen all the time on sales calls where sometimes some kind of objection is thrown up and the client doesn't know how to manage it. Uh, That would be my client. Um, So the person doesn't know how to manage the objection and not that you have to be forceful about it, but the last thing you want to do is again, prepare the person that you're talking to, to buy from someone else because of things like lack of consistency, because of an ability to overcome the objection or because you're not generating the right lead in the first place, which kind of, you know, you talked about languaging and one of the things that I kind of wanted to highlight was, you know, we, we hear this from both of our clients, I'm sure. And from people out there in the world, which is, I'm not talking to the right people, right? So I've got people opening my emails and they're not clicking to buy, or they're going to the sales page, or I'm talking when I get to them on the phone, it's not the right person. So where would you tweak what in that whole process from like connection to client like getting the person to, you know, and this feels very forceful, but this is the, the goal, right? Is to send an email or post something with a call to action that gets them to the sales page and either gets them the book call because it's high ticket or gets them buying the, the course or whatever it is that you're selling. What needs to be there to help more people actually process
1: their credit card? It's the education piece. Every single time when I, when, when people bring me, people typically bring me in because they've had a copywriter and that copywriter sucked or bombed. I actually have a gal who paid a thousand dollar rush fee because she hired another copywriter, got the copy back and literally was like a fourth grader could have written this. Mm. And she called me and she goes, can you, can you do this? And I'm like, I, I can, but I've got to slide a couple things, you know, and I have a rush fee and everything else. And she was like, here's my credit card, just to get it done. The email I got back was, this is fantastic. The reason why I added 10 nurture emails mm. to an already long email sequence. And I took those 10 nurture emails, secret hack of copywriters, and turned them over into social posts. Yep. You don't have to reinvent the wheel, people. And the thing is, you don't have to repeat the same thing over and over and over again on the same channel. You can say the same thing across multiple channels and leverage yourself So you look like you're everywhere, but you're really not. Yep. It's adding that nurture piece. It's, it's more storytelling. It's more relationship building. It takes longer. Yes. But when you ask someone to pay $10,000 in full, they're not going to marry you on the first date. They're going to marry you after six, eight months. Mm. You need to figure out and this is not necessarily a copy. This is just because sales is kind of my other like love. But and you know this. Copy. I would hope so with conversion copy, right? <laughs> um, I sold cars once. That was a fun story. Oh, um, oh, what a great content piece! <laughs> I did, and I was I sold cars to like people with absolute garbage credit. So I was like, oh, you want the Mercedes? That's nice. Here's your minivan.
0: Okay, so you had
1: some kind of integrity. Yeah, and they would drive home with it and and be happy. Um. But the relationship building piece is key and you need to know what your conversion rate is. So for me, from hi, nice to meet you, my name's Bree to them paying for my services is about 45 days. Mm. I know this because from the time I meet someone, I have a follow-up sequence that goes out that educates them about who I am, what I do, who I serve and invites them to hop on a call invites them to hop on a call, invites them to hop on a call because repetition. And so you need to know what your, I have clients who've had their conversion is 15 days, 30 days, 90 days, six months. But knowing what your average conversion rate is, will give you one, the structure of your posts. You need That's what you need to fill, right? If it's a 45 day conversion, you need to have consistent uh, consistency and showing up in that 45 days. And then you also understand that it's going to take some time. You're not going to get, you know, yes, you're going to get some, some trigger pullers occasionally, but that's not the norm. And you prepare yourself and you plan ahead and you know, okay, if this client's ending on this day and it takes me 45 days to find a new client, I can't wait until that client ends. I have to go out and find that client now Hmm. and start, start the conversation and be ready to bring them on so that you can have less of an ebb and flow in your business. I love it.
0: I mean, basically talking about you know my other area, which is processes, you know, procedures, mm-hmm. structures, SOP. You're
1: so awesome at the processes and procedures. Right, like
0: the knowing your numbers though is is a huge area, right? And I love how you're talking about, um, you know knowing from first connection to, you know, close of what is that average time span? Because if you're looking to create predictability and consistency in your business, and you know that on average example for you, it takes 45 days. Then if you're wanting to hit a certain goal this quarter, right, which is 90 days, then you better start getting stuff in place now to be able to make sure that those things are getting hit because it's not this black box. There's Lots of areas where you have control over what the results could potentially be in your business, but you have to own them.
1: Yeah. So, And and you can own them in a lot of different ways. mm. Like, you know, I am a big proponent of looking at engagement rates on posts. I don't care how many likes I get. I don't care how many comments I get. I want to see how many people engaged. Yeah. I want to see how many people clicked on an email. I don't care how many people opened it. How many of those people that opened it clicked? How many hit the reply button? Mm. That's what matters because those are the people that are going to buy.
0: Yep. They're going to buy something. We don't always know what, but they're going to buy something.
1: Right. You know, and, and so being aware of this is who this is for and having the expectation of, you know, okay, like my email open rate is right around between 16 and 18%, but my click-through rate is 10%. 10 to 11%. That's pretty high. Now, industry average, you know, is around, you know, between one to 2%. Mm -hmm. So understanding what your numbers are, your baseline numbers is really important from a, from a copywriting perspective, because any copywriter that you hire that is worth their weight is going to want to know what your conversion rate is. They're going to yeah. want to see the last few emails you sent out. They're going to want to know which subject lines get the most connection with your people. They should, if, if your copywriter isn't asking for this stuff, mm. you should be worried.
0: What are some other indicators um, that, you know, you've got a copywriter, you're working with someone in some capacity, maybe they, you don't have a full on copywriter. Maybe you have a partial, maybe you have someone who does, you know, your funnel emails versus your nurture emails, whatever it is, you've got support in some capacity. Mm -hmm. What are the red flags um, that you look for when it comes to, because it's not necessarily that that
1: copywriter is wrong, but there may not be the right fit. Right. Right. Everyone, there's a, there's a right fit out there for everyone. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you have one, you have to understand where that copywriter is coming from. If they're brand new, and you're on a bargain basement budget and they're just out of journalism school and they're willing to work for 15 bucks an hour, your expectations should be low. If you're hiring someone like me who doesn't even charge hourly anymore, because my hourly rate scares people, I charge per package, right? Then there's the level of expectation is raised, right? You should be one, they should be interested, genuinely interested in your numbers, in your conversions, in your Mm -hmm. engagement rates. They should be genuinely interested in the actual design of the email or the sales page that they're looking at. They should be asking questions like, do you want to have headers? Do you want to have this? Do you want a script signature? Do you want what? So because when you're working on front-facing copy, the way it looks matters. Mm. You sh- They should also be willing to give you samples of content. Now, like myself, I can't just hand you over a copy that I've written for people because, well, it's protected. Um, but I do have samples that I can send people. I have some clients who've said, yeah, absolutely. You can share that. I don't have a problem with it. I've had some clients who absolutely don't want me to share. So I, I've put together a mock-up of sorts of options of, of, you know, what my copy looks like for someone like me, for clients who've shared. And then any front facing copy, like I could say, like, I wrote this or mm-hmm. I helped write this with their permission, obviously, as a ghostwriter, right. it's important to get permission. Um, and then also your copywriter should be willing to sign a contract. They should either have their own contract that details out the work or be willing to sign yours. They should be willing to sign a non-disclosure. I wouldn't be, I won't sign a non-compete. Contract. Well, yeah. That, that <laughs> just not my thing. Um, but I'm, I am willing to sign a non-disclosure. Um, so those pieces, you want someone who's willing to work with you. You also want someone who's actively engaged in your brand. They should ask for access to your programs. They should ask for access to team meetings, to sales calls, to all of those pieces. So they can write better copy for you. If you're Mm -hmm. not getting those kinds of requests, it doesn't necessarily mean your copywriter is not a great copywriter but maybe look at what they're producing and how it's converting and maybe you need someone more experienced.
0: Well, and that's an important aspect to make sure that you're looking at, which is if you're writing conversion copy, the expectation is that there's that return on investment should be there multiple times over. And so that's another huge indicator is if your emails aren't converting, aren't producing sales, calls, aren't producing, producing click-throughs, right? You know, there is a point where different people are responsible for different things, but at the end of the day, if there's no sales, and you've done everything you're supposed to do in terms of the business owner, in terms of delivery right. and whatever delivering on the challenge, delivering you on the,
1: can, you've been emailing your list, Right. you, you have a, you, you can, I always ask people, what, what are your stats for your previous set, launch of this? Mm-hmm. What's going on? You know, what happened previously? And if this is the first time launching, I let people know, you know, typically when you're launching a course or a program, it takes offering that same program three to five times for you to actually be able to fill it right it's that repetition thing absolutely people need to see it and then they get fomo
0: brie you've been so great you've dropped a lot of value and i'm sure you have you know, i know you have this amazing thing to provide people right now as a next kind of action step so how can people learn more about you and more about your process and how they can get support from you
1: so, you can find me at briannagun.com or anywhere on social media at the Brianna Gun. And I put together a five day challenge to help you find your right fit clients through market research effectively, quickly, and painless. There is no sales pitch. It is literally just a five day challenge. You can go to briannagun.com forward slash five day challenge and sign up there. And I will give you my exact steps to getting your content out there, becoming more visible so you can find the right people.
0: Beautiful. So that'll definitely be in the show notes in case you guys weren't able to write that down real quick. Brianna, any parting words or, you know, words of wisdom, if you will, for people who are actively engaged in creating conversion copy and wanting to get support.
1: If you are writing copy and it's not converting, reach out to me, to another copywriter, to someone who is in marketing and have them take a look at your content. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Most of us are not scary. I can't stress enough how much you need to try. Mm. Go find, go find the people you can rely on. If things are not working the way you want them to work, don't put yourself in a vacuum. Go, go out there, make those connections, find the people to help you.
0: Beautiful. Thank you so much, Bree, for being on today. I really appreciate it.
1: Thanks for having me. This was fun.